Good afternoon, you're listening to Local Media This Week here on Scariff Bay Community Radio. The Local Media This Week programme sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. And we look at the newspapers here in County Clare, the Clare Echo and the Clare Champion, and we see what they're talking about this week. Uh, delighted to have a full complement of staff around the table today. John S. Kelly. John, good to see you. And you, Jim. And Pat O'Brien. Pat, good that uh, you've made it again. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming. David, good to see you. Thanks, Jim. Good to see you. And uh, on buttons and bows, we have Luke Fleming uh, to uh, make sure that everything that we, everything we say is uh, picked up. Now, looking at the newspapers, and we'll start with uh, the front pages, I suppose. But uh, looking at the Clare Echo, Porrick has a headline there, housing issue leading to staff shortages in Shannon. And I suppose the housing uh, scarcity, you know, has many facets to it. And one being that in some areas, um, staff are hard to come by for the simple reason that there is no housing. David, um, that's like shooting oneself in the foot. It is really. Uh, it's not too surprising, given given our years and years of of uh, problems with housing, because we're not building enough houses uh, quick enough. Uh, I think the government's target is around forty five thousand houses every year for the next several years before we can even catch up with ourselves. Is that realistic? They 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 came close to. I think they they're probably going to meet their target this year, um, or they came very close to it last year. But just simply the pace of of these things. But it's probably concentrated in particular parts of the country as well. And of course, Shannon being Shannon, where you have so many companies and so many big employers, uh, there's a real problem there. And. Uh, it says here, 87 says here, 87% of companies attached to Shannon Chamber have said the lack of housing is having a significant impact when it comes to recruiting staff and future investment. Um, and uh, we understand that uh, some, some companies are even acquiring accommodation themselves in order to house their the, own employees. The, 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 this is a new thing now, isn't it? I mean, we've had... We've had um, discussions, conversations around the, um, the significance of housing shortage. Mm. But here now you have businesses coming into. Yeah. Well, it makes We're sense, I suppose, to. for the business because if they can't get employees, then that's the end of the business. Absolutely. So well, right. we're looking for we're looking for a shift of business from Dublin Airport down to the Shannon area. And when they come down, there's no. They're not going to come down, of course. No. Uh, so, so, so there is a, uh, a problem now. It, it, it is a significant problem. Of course, uh, I should say in the past, if you were in Guinness or someplace, you would have been provided with, uh, with houses and certain professions. And of course, in the guards, they provided you with housing at once upon a time. But, um, but this sort of level is is a bit worrying. You have to say. Um, what's the answer? I don't As know you what's the answer. I don't actually know what the answer is, except. Uh, keep building at a quicker pace, but we don't have the builders. Yeah. Um, like, what yeah. would you think, Pat? Yeah, you have a huge, uh, you have a huge issue with um, wastewater treatment as well. John, even the article there on page four of the uh, they call a housing climate is improving, according to the minister. But uh, he was down in Shannon last week at um, Shannon Chamber. Um, um, uh, they have an annual um, breakfast 
and the, the Minister General Brainstone there said, and you've, the President is on Gavin there, he's on Six Mile Bridge. Did you have breakfast? I didn't, no, no, I wasn't invited to that time, no, no. <laughs> but and, you were at the opening of, eight, is it 18 new houses? 18 new houses in Ennis, in yeah, Ennis. Uh, by the Minister. And uh, they were built, um, they were built for, for, um, for um, six million. Which is is uh, re, re, lo they're lovely houses, and which was uh, you know a re, um, very good price for, for, for those houses. And then mm. I'm, I'd say the, the 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 contractor was having a bit of profit on them as well. Like you know he wouldn't build them. Can you have any idea no. um, how long it took from inception to finish I, I, those I, houses you visited? I, I I don't know John exactly, but I'd say that it's if if people read the. If, if people read the, 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 the articles there on the paper, I didn't read it all, no. Uh, it's even board papers. There's a, a big write-up on board papers there until you give a, a, an idea of it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but I think, Pat, I mean, the wastewater, tre wastewater treatment is a big issue in, in County Clare. It says here that 50 towns and villages in Clare have been prohibited from construction and housing developments due to inadequate wastewater uh, infrastructure. 50 towns and villages. That's nearly the entire county, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many towns and villages we have in Clare, but that's a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the minister has said that 6 billion, 6 billion euro is being invested a year in, um, in, in, in across the country for wastewater. So, but, of course, it's going to take time, and we're already in a crisis situation with housing. So this, this and I think all of this could have been avoided. I know we had the sudden shock uh, of the economy going belly up and the construction industry going belly up with it. Um, and we've never recovered from that. That's, and and course, that's heading for 20 years that's now. That's heading for 20 years, but we, we never, we haven't recovered. But yet our population, of course, keeps going up and the demand for housing keeps going up. But we, we, we have huge, uh, we have about 70 ghost estates around the country that haven't, now a lot of the ghost estates have been developed. Yeah, they have. Have brought yeah. back, but there's about seventy still there. Mm. I, I, I but see. There, presum presumably, there's legal issues. There's some issues about. Yeah, the but how how come how, how long has those legal issues go? Mm. When was the Celtic Tiger died in what yeah. year? Yeah. Hmm. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Yeah. which started. Yeah. I I wonder as well. I know I've said this before that with rather than draw a complete line under building houses in villages where there is no service. I mean, septic tanks, and I'm sure septic tanks have a checkered history. Uh, some of them have worked well, some of them haven't. But could we not build, allow some level of building at least yes, yeah, in yeah. towns and villages mm. using the septic tank with the proviso that when the Irish water bring the infrastructure into place that there is an obligation on the householder to join? Yeah, it might you know? be an idea. Um, I wondered whether EU regulations around uh, around water quality would, would facilitate it. And the way our weather is going, with the saturation that we have had, yeah. I'd say there's quite a few septic tanks around the place at the moment that might be a bit in trouble. Mm. If they're built in the wrong places, you know. Yeah. So not every place, not, not every location in every village might be suitable even for a septic tank because of the... the, the and you do need now... It's not like back in the 1980s where you put your septic tank in. You need a very large percolation area. You know. And if you're a developer, you're thinking, well, that percolation area actually could have another house on it. Mm. Yeah. 
so there probably is a few different, but 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 in the context of what you're saying, Jim, like, I I can see where you're going with. Is it a priority <laughs> now, housing issue, leading to staff shortages in Shannon, uh, Paul Paul McMahon's um, article in the Clerico? Is he putting it down as a number one issue? Is it that significant? Well, it's certainly very significant for the bill, for the industry in industry, Shannon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it wants to develop and expand, and that means more workers, where do they live? And what, about, what about the system of built uh, units that can be put up quickly? Hmm. What, about, what about modular units? But you still you still have the problem though of wastewater. Wastewater, you have. Um, so, the, so there's multiple, now it could work in some areas, I, I've seen them in Cork and they're very, they were very quickly built, Cork City now I'm talking about, uh, very quickly built and they're, they're facilitating people, but of course not everybody wants to live in those houses, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, people have an ideal of what they want to live in, so, and of course that's what developers and builders respond to, but... But you have to get it. Yeah, for yeah. social housing, you would think that's an answer. But, yeah. but I think the businesses are probably targeting a particular type of, um, a particular type of worker who is going to own and buy their house. Hmm. You think it's at that level? I, I think it's those people that they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. The minister, the the minister um, also chided Clare County Council that, um, to, to send in what they want to build. Um, their plans, uh, uh, rather than he said it wasn't coming in quickly enough. And so social he, housing. Yes. Yeah. So he was yeah. putting the onus back yeah. on the county yeah. council to get a move on with it. Yeah. Um, there's a photograph there, John, of a, a lady, Amanda Major, and she, she I was talking to her uh, at the uh, at the opening, and she she's from um, she's from Nigeria, but her first time in in, in Ireland, she was in Scarlet in the hotel. Really, and yeah. what is, what is she? She's here on page four. Yeah, she's 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 working. She's got. She's after getting one of those new social houses. And, okay, and, and okay, and she's pictured place. here with the minister. Yeah, so um, she she's um, and in the I was talking to another fella. Uh, he was from um, he was from Bangladesh, and he's working in a yard in Shannon. Yeah, yeah. yeah Where I, did you meet these fellas? At the opening of the housing, the 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 they got those new houses in Innes. Yeah, and are these, so it says here, this is an article by Owen Ryan, businesses buying up houses is a sensitive issue for the housing minister. Um, yeah. are, among, are some of those houses being purchased or is it a general issue that being raised? No, those houses, those 18 houses are uh, built by the Inish Housing Association, which is based in Mount Shannon. The companies with, with, the, with the cash would be at an advantage, and other companies would be at a distinct disadvantage. Yeah. Yes. So the larger well. companies, and of course the knock-on impact is a company with lots of resources, particularly international companies, yeah. will then begin to outprice locals. Yes. And locals won't be able to buy it now. Yeah, right now about 20 houses in Dublin there. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mike, yeah, there was a lot he of... Was, yeah, he was the first one. I there was a lot of opposition to... to mm. But sure, Michael O'Leary said uh, he gave no, gave no satisfaction. Really. No, uh, the market is we the need market. Him. We need him in that seat. Okay, will yeah. we we'll go on from yeah. that subject. Uh, also, on, on a very sad note, on the front page of the Clare Echo, inquiry into death of teen girl and in UHL. And uh, again, a young person who died um, 
while not certainly she, she was on a trolley yeah. uh, in in that situation trying to get into UHL and of course we've often spoken of the the case of Eva Johnston from Shannon who who's had similar um, fate befall her and uh, there's an inquiry into into that one going on at the moment but there's a preliminary inquiry into the death of this girl who I understand was from County Limerick. Yeah, it's on page six here, Jim. Preliminary assessment underway following the death of teenage girl at UHL. An inquiry has commenced following the death of a 16-year-old girl at University Hospital Limerick three weeks ago, writes Parry McMahon. A preliminary assessment was carried out into the death of the teenage girl at UHL hours after she was taken to the region's main hospital. On the day she died, a total of 113 patients were on trolleys in UHL. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's sad to see some young person dying again after, after the, the previous one. It is. The it question, is. I suppose, is did she die as a result of the conditions that patients are experiencing? Breathing or, difficulties, or, yeah. Or did she die because of the condition that she had? That she had, yeah. Uh, the article on page six goes into that in a little bit of detail, and you know. It's a very sad case, uh, and I wouldn't like to denigrate the circumstances at all. And of course, there has to be an inquiry. But whether she was on a trolley or a hospital bed, unfortunately, her condition may have been such that she yeah. she w she 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 was going to die. And that's just an opinion based on reading on reading yeah, what is in page yeah. six. It says like, could, could the hospital have saved her? The sixteen-year-old uh, turned to a twelve-hour wait on a trolley in, in an overcrowded emergency department at UHL. Yeah. You mm. know, when a patient suffers harm, it is it is regarded as as a category one incident and will be subject to review. review yeah. But you'd have to think that getting into hospital fast and getting in under, mm. you know, serious care fast certainly isn't going to harm her chances. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... Uh, one way or another, it's tragic. It is it very is, tragic. It is, it is, it is yeah, very yeah, tragic. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's something that we, we send our condolences to her family and friends uh, down in County Limerick. Okay, uh, a story on the... Um, is it the Clare Champion? Uh, yeah, on the front page of the Clare Champion. And it's a question of a GP uh, and a GP service. Can it continue in Kilrush? And I suppose... It's frightening. Poor old West Clare and Kilrush seem to figure every week in some negative way or another. Mm. It does. Yes. I mean, we're here in East Clare and we have GP services in Killaloo and Tulla and Scarif. Yes. So we've only a short drive anywhere in East Clare right. to a GP service. I mean, it's horrendous. Mm. Here is over uh, GP service in Kilrush. Yeah. It yeah. appears, uh, Sharon Dolan Darcy has this article, and um, it, it appears that Dr. Barry, who is the GP in Kilrush, doesn't give his first name, um, Dr. Barry's GP service in Kilrush. Uh, is possibly closing. Um, the HSE, of course, are aware of this and advertised on three occasions for a doctor to take over the Kilrush general practice, but no applications have been received. 
Three, se three separate occasions they were advertised, and nobody was lost. Now, it's not just a kill rush thing, John. Unfortunately, this appears to be the case right across the country. But in certain areas seem to suffer a bit more. Indeed, indeed. Well, it depends on, it depends on the age of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, it does. of the GPs as well. And the fact is that junior doctors um, are choosing particular lifestyles um, and choosing not to live necessarily in rural Ireland. And when they do choose rural Ireland or, 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 or the big city, they're only going to work nine to five and they won't do much of the things yeah. that uh, general practitioners used to, used mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're making decisions and they're not making decisions to live in, uh, in particular parts of the country, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, if there had been, I wonder if there had been a, uh, a student doctor who would have originally come from that part of Clare, would they, have, would they go back? How about offering incentives? That's the key thing, I think. That's probably now we're getting to that. Only, that's maybe the only solution at this stage, to offer incentives uh, to, to young doctors to, to live in these places, to encourage them. We've seen how it works in, um, on the offshore islands when, yes. when they offer incentives, um, and they get lots of applications for caretakers and all sorts of things. Yeah. But, um, but uh, it, is a, it is a difficult one, Pat, isn't it? Any, any potential closer could uh, leave the area with, with, serve, with service a population of 2,500. With two practices, three doctors, and an out-of-hours weekend service. Mm. This provision of GP services in Kilgore has been a cornerstone of our community well-being well for many years, and in any decision to close, it would have profound implications for the health and welfare of residents, uh, Councillor Yilin said. Theatre Colin of the Re-State Shenandoah Committee and Friends of Venus Hospital Group blamed the HSE and the Department of Health for the situation. We've been told there was a shortage of GPs and from there I am and from where I am standing, they have done nothing to alleviate the shortage of GPs. To me it's very disappointing, she said. I don't know if that's mm. entirely fair because they did advertise and I'm sure what can they do if they can't get apart from the incentives. Now I don't know are you allowed to well I suppose it would be a government policy. But uh, to blame the HSE in this regard, uh, you, we want to get on to the government, I suppose, and the minister. But I know the minister, um, I was listening to the minister, Stephen Donnelly, on this particular topic. And uh, he would argue, of course, that uh, they having tried to increase the number of GPs, because even the number of GPs were beginning to decline and, and so many new places were, were um, yeah. you know, in the universities. But they're not... They're maybe not going to the places where they're needed. Mm. So, yeah. uh, what about the, the old one we threw in a couple of weeks back uh, that we ask uh, newly qualified doctors oh. to give a year or two oh. Oh. Uh, to. Yeah, to and they might actually see that there are benefits to living yes. in places like yeah. Kilrush. Yeah. Mm. There are huge benefits to living in rural areas. Yeah, there are. Not, mm. Yeah, there are. But some, sometimes young people don't necessarily see them. No. And they want, they have a particular view of where they are at that particular age in life. and um, Where they want to go. Where they want to go, exactly. Mm. Okay, we'll go on. Uh, I see on uh, page, uh, sorry now, uh, page in the, in the Clare Echo, page 14, and in the Clare Champion, page uh, 1, I think, is yes, that the Tourism. tourist sector are getting together uh, to see how they can 
continue to prosper with so many hotel beds used up between uh, Ukrainians and uh, other um, social protection applicants. Yeah. And it certainly is a problem. Well, you've talked to three percent of, of beds uh, nights in Clare are currently contracted to the Department of Children, Equality and Disability and Integration. So you've a third of your your, um, your beds gone out of the county, uh, which is affecting, I suppose, the tourism. Yeah, this is just a statement of reality. It's not. A, we're not complaining, are we? No. Well, I would want to know in any, well, at any one time how many occupy. Are 100% of tourism beds actually occupied at the height of the summer season? Because, at, funnily enough, there is a, f a story beneath it which says uh, tourist tax proposed as road safety measure for the burn. And there the accusation is that everybody coming into the county are day trippers, people who do not stay in the county. So how is that circle squared? On the one hand, we're complaining there's a shortage of beds. And on the other hand, we're saying everybody coming into the county, or a lot of people, are, are only travelling in and travelling back out. The model mm. exists. Well, I know they are, yeah. Mm. I mean, the model They're exists. They're being busted. No, no, I deal with, the, with, with my issue, John. On the one hand, uh, I know the model exists. Uh, we're not Venice, by the way, and we don't get that level of, uh, uh, of tourism. No, we don't get that level of intensity at all, at all. And how then would you uh, actually regulate a tourist tax? Would you tax people from Limerick? Well, she, the article okay. suggests that they... they or Cork. Or Cork. Yeah. There yeah. surely is an exemption. We they, won't let you they, into Cork if you yeah. tax us. They do it in, in European countries. Yeah, but on a very specialised and on a city basis, I yeah. think. Um, and particular mm. zones. I mean, you couldn't. It's, it would be impractical I think uh, right. to, to do it in County Clare. Wherever you'd be staying, would we'll, we'll, we'll collect the tax. And there's, there's a, um, I think there's a... A piece there about in some European country where where, um, where every every week or every night you stay there's a, f a five euro tax and if it's reduced if you stay the longer you stay the, the uh, less tax so you some, pay. Somebody from County Galway coming down, an Irish person from yeah. Galway coming down to the cliffs of Moher, bringing bringing the cousins from America. John loves to bring them to Brunelage. <laughs> yeah. Um, you you would tax them, would you? Well, if they're, if, they're, if they're staying overnight... No, they're not staying. They're going back home to Galway. Yeah, well, you can't. There's an awful lot you can do about that. Sure, you, you can't <laughs> tax people. You can't have road checkpoints okay. checking the identity <laughs> and, and... That's what some people want. Yeah, but yeah. the big problem... The big, the big problem... Uh, there's no problem with John Kelly taking his cousins <laughs> up to the place or, or, or someone from Galway. The big problem is... Uh, is, is uh, of course, the big problem is Dublin Airport again. Bring them into Dublin Airport, put them on a, a, a bus and bus them down to the cliffs and wall and bus them back up to Dublin and they stay, they stay in Dublin for that two is weeks. That's a problem Michael O'Leary has created for us. Yeah. And Michael O'Leary, there's a lot of Michael, 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 a lot more than... Michael O'Leary has decided to bring them to Dublin and not to Shannon. A lot more than Michael And the youngest people have done the same thing. Yeah. And they're mm. being encouraged, of course. Well, I suppose... Well, and, of course, they want to see Dublin as well as the cliffs and In fairness to Michael O'Leary, he brings a lot more people to Shannon than Aer Lingus does. <laughs> it does, yeah. it does. But uh, I'm just wondering, again, we mentioned in uh, an item or two ago about an incentive uh, for people. I mean, you can't build hotels overnight. Uh, you can't create something new. What you can do, maybe, is encourage B&B &B yeah. as, yeah. as a short-term measure. Well, we, have, we have that problem. The scars, we do not have in, in the East Clare area uh, a sufficiency of B&Bs. Of B&Bs. No hotel 
The nearest hotel, I suppose, is Killaloo. It's Killaloo. There's two yes. hotels in Killaloo. And that could come back to bite us. Uh, yeah. But there are, there are a few Airbnbs, and they're not as visible, but they're visible online, but they're, you don't see the signs outside the door, you know, yeah. as, as you would normally. But we're trying but to crack down on Airbnbs, that's the, that's, this that's government is. Exactly. But they're saying... That they're saying, well, we have to crack down on them because everybody's complaining there's a shortage of housing and if we keep uh, and rental space. So it's 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 awfully difficult. It and, is. You know, and it's all mixed up on all these. And we have a, it's a, it's sort of a perfect storm. Lack of houses, massive demand, tourists coming in. Um, and we need and no plans for it. No, we need we need a plan for we need a plan for for uh, for all the migrants coming into the country from. Wherever they come from, we need we need a proper plan to to, to, to have housing. You you just can't you can't just can't open up every hotel in the country and fill every hotel in the country and, and then and then start complaining about it. I know. Like the government the government needs to step in and and and, yeah. and develop proper facilities well, for for migrants. I, I entirely agree with you, Pat. I entirely agree with you. But I put this I just put this one point to you. Two years ago, almost exactly to the day that we are recording this and broadcasting nobody expected the russians to invade ukraine and nobody expected nearly 100,000 ukrainians to end up in this country and so I, we should be fair to the government but now we are in the situation and so we now and i think okay we're two years we're two years in well, what kind of a plan has been put in place none they're just trying if they're trying to pick up every 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 hotel and every kind of a of a, of a place that comes well, they available have, they have announced the plan pat but they haven't they have announced the plan. The plan is for the government to purchase, build, or acquire very large centres where people will be put into. And it goes back to the old, um, what are they called, the, the, the existing direct provision, exactly those centres. We had a direct provision system where the government had designated places, not hotels, designated places, which wasn't very good. And this government, in its program for government, wanted to get rid of those places, but of course, circumstances have got over. But that's going to take time as well, Pat, this plan. But it's not true to say that there isn't a plan. Well, there's only a reason they come up with it if they come up with it, because <laughs> as, as far as I see, they're just every, everywhere a hotel is there. They would agree with you. I've heard the government ministers saying it's, it's unrealistic to continue the way we're going. Hmm. But from, again, coming back to my incentive, what about a tax incentive for B&Bs to reopen, if, if they were B&Bs before, or for people to set up their own house uh, as a B&B yeah. uh, under the normal rules that, I mean, you can't have people so, uh, uh, staying in a dump. So is this in lieu of the hotel rooms, is it? In lieu of the hotel rooms. Yeah. At least it makes some... Yeah. Uh, no, some of the yeah. hotels, of course, would it, complain that... No, but you know, we're getting but, no, no but tax hotels incentive. can't have it both ways but, because those hotel hoteliers um, are making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Those 33% of beds don't mean that the hotels are not making money. Well, they're, they're making year round, they're making more money than they've ever. Yeah. And if you're a business person, why wouldn't you do it? You, of course, you would do it. I wouldn't blame them at all for doing but it. That's only money that's going around in a circle. Because it's government money that's been paid into the hotels. Well, listen, I'm and not in that circle. It's, o it's only going around. <laughs> it's only going around in a circle. If, if you had people coming in from outside, uh, investing or, or spending money in, 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 in hotels, 
you're bringing in more money. So no, you, you, it's like when you go back to the, it's like the Celtic Tiger when we were building houses and selling them to each other. Yeah, yeah. The I money, know the money is only going around in a circle. If you get tourists in, you're more, they're, they're more likely to spend in cafes and restaurants and things. Yeah, Mar yeah. If, if, there's a bit here. Uh, Wildbornrash is a well-known tourist destination. Morris Walsh, who owns Dr. Uh, stressed that nighttime trade is being badly hit by an estimated 90% reduction in the local in the local accommodation. The Clare Tourism Advisory Forum Vice Chairman pointed out that Bunrashi Castle Hotel is, is completely taken over, over accommodating about 300 refugees, leaving Bunrashi Manor with 29 bedrooms. Football in, in Bunrashi is down by about 300 people a night. There are about 500 people living in Bunrashi and 320 Ukrainians have moved in. They are lovely people, we have no issue with it, but he's expecting the nighttime economy in Bunrashi and in us. Yeah. Well, I would also say one thing, and I, I, when I listen to the debates on, on the news and the media and so on, uh, we have to, you have to prioritise sometimes, and you have to put your values somewhere. You, you, and you're going to have to make sacrifices. If, you, if we believe that people deserve protection and deserve refuge, and we give them that refuge, then something else, unfortunately, mm -hmm. is going to suffer. And in this case, it is tourism. But I would, I would, I would make the decision to protect people and uh, offer refuge, rather than giving those beds to tourists any day of the week. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're obliged anyway to offer. Well, we're, we can't whether, whether turn we people are, back. Yeah, whether we are or we aren't, I think there is a moral duty on us. Yeah. Very quickly, John. Yeah. Uh, 750 homes installed solar panels last year on page 24 of the Clare Echo. Well, that's a good news, isn't it? It is. Uh, and we encourage people, apart from reading the article, make definite uh, inquiries about how they could uh, cut their energy bills seriously. And it does look as if we're beginning to wake into the possibility. Well, I think, I think some people here um, have installed... Uh, recently, Jim, I think you you, you were one yeah. of them. It yeah. says here that um, uh, for those people who are thinking about this, now we we should note that this is from the Green Party. The Green it's a, it's a sort of a sponsorship or supported by the Green Party. A, a grant of up to two thousand one hundred is available through the SEAI for all houses occupied before the end of twenty twenty, and that typically works out at about a third of the cost of a three kilowatt system. Um, so a third of the so you're getting a grant of a third of it and you pay the two thirds. Now, Jim, what was your experience? Yeah, my the grant when I I'm just wondering if that's misprinted. It was two four, uh, two thousand four hundred the grant when I did it last May. Um, I didn't hear now that it had been cut down. Uh, funny, yesterday we had T.J. O'Halloran with us on Saturday Chronicle, and it was very interesting. And T.J. was one of the first people around here to do it. Yeah, solar panels are very good. A, they, um, you, when the sun is shining, you're using your own electricity as opposed to buying it. Two, again, when the sun is shining, and when you're not using electricity in your house, you're selling it back to the grid, you know, at a sort of half the price, I suppose, that you're paying for it. But at the same time, it is, in one way or another, making money for you. Mm. 
the whole time. And when the sun but isn't shining. Jim, when the sun isn't shining, it's, 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 raining, it's raining here since last July. It has. <laughs> Every yeah. day nearly. When the sun Jim. isn't shining, Jim. But it's, it's funny. Okay, it is raining since last July, and there was... But even in the last few days, I was looking at it, and it is generating yeah. electricity. Yeah, it was there at the weekend. And yeah, and it, it, any time the sun doesn't have to be warm, yeah, just yeah. the sun shining. Yeah. Listening to this, and she's asking, will you ask Jim how much did it cost him net? Yes, uh, net. In, taking the grant off it, I installed ten panels. Uh, it cost eighty-eight, eight thousand eight hundred. But I got two thousand four hundred back in the grant. So, so 6,400. 6, now, I didn't get a battery. Um, yeah, and it says here... Comment, um, on the, can we comment on the fact of the battery. You didn't get a battery. I, I didn't get a battery. I just said I'd maybe get a battery again. i get the panels and see how it went. But lots of people have a battery, sometimes a f up to a 5 kilowatt battery. And uh, they, they store the electricity, which means they use it at night yeah, as well. And you get more you know? information in the article about that. Yeah. The batteries are typically an extra two and a half thousand and yeah. are not included in the grant. But it goes on. And, but you can read that. I know we're, yeah. we're out of time for the first half. Okay, Pat O'Brien, uh, any music, any suggestion of uh, what we might relax on during the break? Well, there's a, um, I, I, there's a new film out on Bob Marley. I think it's well, I don't know that I but we'll have we'll Bob Nelly um, tune there. I don't know if there's a pick out one, you'll say if I forgot to write down it. <laughs> pick it out Maybe no down. woman, no cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, do Th that, that should be nice. Okay, Pat, <laughs> thank you very much. Very welcome back to local media this week here on Scarif Bay Community Radio, a programme sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. You were listening there. Uh, Pat's choice was Bob Marley. Fabulous song, No Woman, No Cry. And a uh, new film coming out, Pat, I think, or maybe out. Yeah, I, I uh, see it advertised, yeah, a new uh, uh, film on, on Bob Marley. Okay. Mm. I suppose just before we go on to um, East Clare Matters, uh, this might be an East Clare matter as well. Dog owners on page nine of the Clare Champion. Uh, are they going to face new uh, fines or problems if uh, their dogs uh, spoil the footpath of the road? Well, there's, there's new, according to Jessica Quinn, um, under, under new legislation, owners of restricted dangerous dogs can receive on-the-spot fines of 300 euros if their animal is not muzzled, while dog wardens are also able to issue 300 euro fines to owners who do not keep their dogs under control. And you might remember, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, some really awful um, attacks on children yeah. uh, by household pets, supposedly. Um, but they were banned breeds um, or, or restricted dogs that should have been muzzled and yeah, weren't. David, what about, what about the, um, the question of uh, dogs pooing on the uh, pavement or in your neighbour's uh, garden? Uh, do you have any attitude about that? 
I do. I do. I, I'd make their owners go up uh, and give them a shovel and uh, scoop up after. That's what it's, it's, it's not. The, the, the dog is not the problem. It is the owner. The owner, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and the owners, does it happen? Oh, sure, it happens. It happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. Now, well, it happens in villages and all that because you have a lot of green areas. I know we have two fellows on four schemes, and they're always giving out about about when especially when they go back in the springtime, cutting the grass. Yeah. Mm. And I can guarantee there are a few listeners to us now who are a little bit sitting a bit uncomfortably in their chairs listening mm. to this because they are, might be responsible themselves for allowing their dog. I never. Yeah, well, John, <laughs> you're 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 better hearted than me, but, <laughs> but I know them. But isn't it strange that uh, you know it's always someone else's dog who comes into your yeah, lawn or yard and does the business? Well, Pat, you you own a dog. <laughs> Have you any experience with this? <laughs> well, uh, well, my 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 dog goes next door in the morning. <laughs> Every morning. Every morning. <laughs> He doesn't do it on his own. In the doorstep. No. no. A dog never shits on his own path. No. <laughs> That's what they say. Okay, talking it's about dogs. Frankie Coote, anyway, here now, is yeah. uh, any dog owner, any dog that's loose now, uh, it was 100 years before to, to uh, get him back. Fine. Yeah. But he's gone up to 300. Oh. So it's 300 now. So if you have uh, all our listeners out there and around these clear, <laughs> if they have their dog loose uh, and his cars. Uh, it's going to be 300 euros. And of course, the dog has got a, um, a, a chip. A chip, isn't it? Yeah, well, he, some dogs, some he dogs might, might have a chip, but he mightn't have a chip. Yeah, really? Yeah. But you'll have to go back for him to the pound. You have to go back for him. You have to, mm. uh, yeah. so. Okay, ta- we're talking about dogs there. Horses are also causing uh, a difficulty this week uh, in, in County Clare, but... Perhaps uh, they're, they're from the neighbouring county. They're from the neighbouring county, and they cross over to visit regularly. And like, like Pat's dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and to feed. It's on page seven of the of the Clare Champion. Yes. Uh, Carl Crow is here. Uh, um, he, he's um, highlighting the issue. Uh, Horses of, of feral my last house is loose in East Clare, and then then I have the story. Clare uh, deputy Carl Crow is launching the Limerick City and County Council. And on, on the other corner to urgently bring control of the federal horses situation in my house. Throughout last week and over the weekend, I received many phone calls from Neelig and 13 residents who encountered up to 15 federal horses at a time galloping along the Naklachine and Long Pavement Road, Sidetkey Crow. These horses were not halted, not threatened, nor were they confined to any enclosure. They were simply running at free will across roads and footpaths. So it's also they're dangerous when they're uh, with traffic yeah. and all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. And, mm. and, and Pat, I, I actually came across horse. I saw three horses today in, in that place, uh, that the long, the talking, long pavement, the long pavement yeah. feeding on the lush grass, it has to be said, uh, on the long pavement. Mm. Um, uh, no, they were, like, I mean, they were loose. Sometimes you see a horse tied up on the side and and, feeding, and, and, and feeding. feeding, you know, that's the way maybe it yeah. used to be done in the past. And again, that would have been breaking the law, but um, it's uh, it's a difficult one. Like, uh, I mean, it, I suppose it's up to it's up to the authorities uh, to take action if they're going to take action. It says here uh, a statement issued to the Clare Champion Limerick City and County Council acknowledged it has statutory powers with relation to animal control under the Control of Horses Act 1996 
and the Limerick City and County Council control of horses bylaws, if you don't mind, 2017. It says straying horses are a nuisance to residents of the affected areas and pose a danger to public safety, said the spokesperson. In collaboration with Angarda Shilkana, the council regularly seizes horses straying in public areas of the city. However, the council can only seize horses within its functional area. In nearly all cases where horses are seized, they are rehomed to equine charities. So it suggests there is a bit of a, a territorial issue here that, of course, the horses are in, in the jurisdiction of this council, in their county council. An extra, an extra danger as well. It's falling time, isn't it? It is. Yes, it, it is. is. Mm. And, uh, and, 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 they, and that could... They're very skittish. They're much less predictable than... Well, what I would say to Limerick County Council is pick up the phone to your colleagues mm. in Clare County Council and act together. Well, Joined up thinking, I think that's you're, what that's called. You'd wonder how many of them they're putting to the... Uh, are being rehomed in equine charities because... If, if there's 15 to 20 strolling around uh, Amelia and 13, <laughs> you'll wonder how many yes. are they picking up. Yes. Okay, praise on page 8 for Clare County Council. It says, Council is best in Ireland at this work. And that's a lovely thing to see praise, John, for Clare County Council. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, no, Jim, we're talking about. Uh, demarking, are we? Demapping. 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 What are, we, what are we talking about there? Well, the we're we have been we've often talked here in this program about putting uh, windmills out to sea. Yes. Uh, a lot of windmills where there's a lot of wind, and bringing the electricity ashore on the Shannon Estuary yeah. and loads of jobs in Clare and Limerick, hopefully. Uh, but before any these um, windmills are floating windmills. Now, will you explain that concept? Yeah, the windmill is floating. It's upright, yeah. but it's floating. Yeah. Obviously, it's not, it's not anchored to the seabed. It's it's not built it's into, the, into seabed, the seabed. It but is it, actually anchored. It is anchored. So yeah. when this windmill is floating, you would have three possibly uh, strands of some material anchoring it to yeah. the seabed so it can't move about. So it's working and it doesn't upset the people of Milik and Lamara. Well it's it's no it doesn't. Yeah. And it's it's quite far out to sea. But what has to be done and the question you're asking John is a yeah. D map. And the D map D map stands for Designated Maritime Area Plan. Yeah. And uh, this work has to be done on the area where these windmills are going. You know, to check, uh, can it be done? Is it okay? Uh, how best do we make sure that the positioning of the windmills doesn't affect wildlife? Uh, all that. Yes. So that's the D map. Yes. And that has got to be done. Yes, well, they haven't started yet, have they? No, but Clare County Council are one of the best in the country, according to the chair of the Shannon Estuary Task Force, Barry O'Sullivan. Yes. And well, we heard. What are they best at? at doing this demapping, at surveying the ground and mapping the area. Yeah. The island have seven, have seven times the, the, the land, land mass in, in water. 
Yeah, okay, so they have to, they have to, yeah, they have to, they have to map it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. and this yeah. Barry O'Sullivan was at the conference and he was making this yeah. very point. But again, it's a point I often make, we're so behind other places. Mm. But and it might surprise people to hear this. The ESB, mm. our yeah. own electricity supply board, just going to say, are yeah. building floating wind farms in Scotland for the benefit of the Scottish economy. Mm. Yes. But we, we must have demapping and various other infrastructures put in place, yeah. Yeah. rules put in place. But why haven't they been put in place? But we've been talking about it for years. Yeah, we're Here. pushing, we're pushing, uh. pushing for it now. Kimmy Doody actually got that conference together, Pat, didn't he? He did, yeah, he did in, in Goa, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah it was very informative, you know, there, which was uh, very good. Yeah. Okay, so going, there, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to, we'll try and get in everything in East Clare. Page 13, and a piece there on the East Clare page, Dan Danaher, has it and it's on Fiona Levy and Levy aims for election success and at this point in time the only declared candidate apart from the sitting candidates is Fiona Levy and uh, Fiona is the in the Social Democrat Party. Yeah and uh, residents of Mount Shannon will recognize her straight away she's uh, a native she's from Mount Shannon and uh, had been a member and probably, I don't know if she still is a member of the Mount Shannon Community Council and it gives her sort of her life story there it's quite it's, it's a half a page for people who are interested in it and she, she lives uh, down close to Pat Burke down in Williamstown and she mentions Pat Burke there yeah. in the article I know Pat Burke most of my life he is a gentleman I'm running to give people a choice she said and that's the that's I think a very important one um, because you want, if you're running an election, you want a contested election. You don't, you want people need a choice and they have a choice and voting in the incumbents or getting rid of the incumbents and voting in somebody else. Um, so uh, uh, she lays out her stall there anyway. And um, uh, I hope that this radio station will have all the candidates in at some stage to give listeners some impression as to... Um, Absolutely. We'll, yeah. We've already uh, interviewed. Uh, we've already interviewed um, Fiona uh, here in this station. But uh, yeah, before the um, before the election comes, we will get all the people involved and uh, we'll bring them in. Yeah, Jim, uh, did you see that heading uh, in the southeast Clare section? Neighbour from hell. Trump's letter to Minister for Justice. Did you come across that? I came across that, yeah. Is it in the Killaloo area? It is, yeah. It is. In yeah. Killaloo, actually, in the town. Residents yes. of Killaloo mm. have written a letter to Justice Minister Helen McEntee seeking her intervention amid claims their lives have become a nightmare over the past eight years due to the alleged actions of a person living in their housing estate. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't mention any names, but there, there are a few things worse than a neighbour from hell. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's quite often there's very little you can do about it unless things go completely out of hand. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, obviously they've reached the end of their tether if they have to write to the minister. Haven't they? It mentions the guards, it mentions the council, you know, I think everybody knows of the issue, but. Um, Obviously, for, for those people, it hasn't been resolved. Well, you have, you, you have I think we, we, we covered it before there, you had issues in Innes and Amerika and different places as well. Yeah. Yeah, people were, were, you know, were, weren't um, very sad, though, uh, making life hell for, uh, for neighbours. Yeah, I, I, think, I remember we discussed it before. I don't know what the 
criteria is for having to move people, yeah. assuming that they're there, all there, renting. There, there is a policy. I, I remember well, the article that we discussed the last time uh, on the new market issue. There is yeah. a policy where if, if there, people are regarding themselves, yeah. you get a few warnings and ultimately then you can take action. Well, it appeals. Well, that might be okay in, we'd say, social housing or county yeah. council housing, but yeah. this, this is a private private house. Ah, well, now that's very different. And they have a, they have a, uh, so that's why it's just so difficult there. That is a difficult yeah. one, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's owned by the the, the person that's living that is yeah. owned, owned by his family or right. family members or something. Right. So right. Right. Okay. there's a there's a the there's a, be there all the time. There's a, a huge issue on that, I think. Yeah. Okay. Also to do with Killaloo bypass restrictions. I don't know whether any of you have driven through Killaloo and Ballina recently. Well, notwithstanding all the road works that and the bridge works going on, yeah. it's surprisingly easy to get through Ballina and Killaloo uh, these days. It's a little bit longer if you're going on to Limerick, up maybe five or ten minutes longer. But in this in this instance, the concern has been expressed by residents about uh, construction work on the Killaloo bypass and and the Creveroe. Um, junction in particular and Hill Road roads, the junctions at Hill Road and, and Creve Road, people will know those I suppose. Um, temporary traffic lights to facilitate 250mm gas main diversion and earthworks preparation were in place until, are in place until February 13th or were, well February 13th is gone. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, a lot of construction traffic but also, um, I noticed people's front gardens being entirely removed on the Balanaz side and presumably septic tanks going in or something going in. It could be gas works. And, and it is causing um, temporary mm. disruption. But we have to bear in mind, when the, it is finished, it keep, will be a great job. Keep our eyes on when, the prize. Yes, yeah. when, the, when, when the underground in Dublin is going to be done and they have hearings in it, it's going to get t t 10 to 12 years. Yeah. So, and so we, should, we should be glad is what you And there's going to be huge disruption. And they haven't started yet and on bringing the water to Dublin from the <laughs> party in well, I tell you, with all the rain that's after falling in the last few years, <laughs> they can make as much of it as they like. Is there any uh, information coming on what is to happen to the old bridge? What type of traffic? I suspect it will remain open to traffic. I can't see it. They have to oh, no. No. Pedestrian. They have to yeah. close it for a couple of weeks now, anyway, because there's some problem in the middle of it. Well, 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 the, well they have um, there's a, a crack at it. Really? Yes. Yeah. And they have to. Yeah. Listen, we're we're almost out of time. Uh, this coming up uh, th this week, while we're on at the moment, uh, same old moon, uh, a play uh, is being produced this week in Mount Shannon by uh, East Clare, or Slivati Slivati, Group, yeah. and this will be brought to the Clare Drama Festival, which will be starting shortly in the community garden. And you have, uh, you have two of our volunteers involved, Jim there, uh, Terry Cronin and, um, and uh, Geraldine. Geraldine. Yes, Anderson. that's right. The other thing I want to mention is the, the, the mast. It's on uh, the Clare Champion. Uh, the air mast uh, in Scariff has been uh, reversed well, by Paul Panola. So many, many people I know in Scarif will, will see that as a victory for them and the various objections that they made. For air, air um, telephone and broadband, broadband and that kind of thing. 
they have a mass there already, but they wanted to put it much higher. Um, but now it's it's and not uh, going to happen at the moment anyway. And what will happen if um, if the scattered people in the, in the surrounding area don't have proper broadband? Will they be complaining then as well? They will. They'll say we should have put it up in Kikishin or <laughs> O'Callaghan's Mills. <laughs> um, I see our colleague uh, Pat McNamara as well is pictured on the uh, Clare Echo on page uh, 31, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pat was the MC at the recent... Uh, it's different Leo. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe Leo was there as well. No, yeah. I was there. I see a photograph of him. Yeah. Yes, but uh, they, they celebrated their great under-21 win. win. Yeah. Um, and wearing a lovely tie, to be fair to him. It's a beautiful tie, fair play to him. Yeah, he certainly comes down, never comes down here to the studio in that tie. Never. <laughs> no. He dresses up well, scrubs up well, I think the phrase is. Okay. <laughs> no. Listen, we're out of time. Many thanks to everybody for participating today. Lots of stories got through. Thank you, John S. You're welcome, Jim. And Pat. Thank thanks, you very Jim. much. And David. Thanks, Jim. And uh, to Luke for. Uh, twisting the buttons and looking after the sound. Pat, have we a uh, bit of music to well, finish up on? We're coming back to the Banner County uh, this weekend. So Michael Russell from Doolan, he died 30 years ago on the 19th of February, uh, 1994. And um, uh, we have Michael Russell and uh, Luke will have to find it out here with the, ma the Mason's apron. Okay, we'll see if we can locate the Mason's apron. No, Michael Russell. Michael Russell. Okay, thank you very much to all of our listeners. We'll see you again uh, next Sunday at 2 o'clock. So uh, for now, from us, goodbye and God bless. I'd like to give the names of the tunes I'm going to play. The first reel would be a version of the Mason's Apron. So some great musicians that heard me playing this tune said they liked it very much. Tony McMahon that works for RTE and... Another man called Paddy Glacken and uh, Noel Hill. So they likes the way they play the tune. So, well, to be around for a little bit home, it was more, mostly concertina playing. There was that time, was here when I started to play, but I play, learned to play the flute. So my own brother used to play the concertina, but I find it awful difficult to play like that man, God rest his soul, and I, I, I can't even play like my other brother. We, we're three brothers, but we all play a bit different to each other. So I'll play these two tunes anyways, the ways I heard them when I was young. <laughs>